The factory stock showdown season is at the halfway point, following up the Menards Heartland Nationals in Topeka, Kansas, and we've got the winner on Factory Stock Podcast. The first wins for a Copo Camaro in 2019, and Stephen Bell was ready. He wanted the opportunity. It's why I do it. I mean, I, I want the ball. I want the opportunity to try to do well and, and to be able to pull it off against a competitor like that. It was it was really a fulfilling uh, feeling to see that wind light coming on the wall going down the finish line. Stephen Bell goes in depth on his victory, the first for a Copo in 2019. He also talks about his championship hopes on this edition of Factory Stock Podcast. Also on the show, David Barton crew member and samtech.edu grad Travis Hilger talks about crew chiefing for Jesse Alexandra, the state of the car after a hard crash and his desire to return. From from my standpoint, it's been pretty amazing uh, at his uh, at his attitude toward the whole situation. Obviously, it's it's you know probably like losing a family member or something like that when you see you know it, it, something that you've put so much time and effort into um, in the condition that that we last saw it in. Um, but I can tell you from talking to Jesse yesterday, right now his mindset is his one of his biggest disappointments at, at this moment is the fact that he's not going to make it to Norwalk. Travis Hilger on the show goes in depth about copos, about tuning, and of course about his experience at samtech.edu. And finally, Brian Massengill from Samtech recaps the first four races of the season, in particular Topeka, Kansas, as we turn our attention to the second half and Norwalk. It could be warm. Uh, I think we could see a situation where we've got one day of qualifying that um, you're going to have to lay back a little bit more on the 60-foot, kind of like what we had this weekend in Topeka. Um, but that track at Norwalk, you know, they, they pride themselves on being, you know, uh, being so good uh, at the start line and, and throughout the entire track even. All that and more on this edition of Factory Stock Podcast, now on Spotify. Be sure to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, so you never miss a show. I'm Joe Costello, and I am your podcast host, and we're going to dive into these huge 3,500-pound factory cars and discuss the season to this point, recapping Topeka, looking ahead to Norwalk, and discussing the Factory Stock Showdown. Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical, hands-on experience in the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. And in addition to Blockhead and CNC programs, Sam now offers motorsport EFI tuning and an Associate of Applied Science degree. Sam is a military-friendly school approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu today. And welcome to all of you listeners out there as the season is now four races on. A Skillman, a Skillman, a Skillman, and a Bell, your four winners. We're going to hear from Stephen Bell. We're going to hear from Travis Hilger and, of course, Brian Massengill. But first, the point standings as we go into this halftime, if you will, as we get ready for Norwalk, Ohio. 
Drew Skillman leads the points with 329. Bo Butner is second with 282. Stephen Bell, 249. A quick reminder, Bo Butner, Stephen Bell have both DNQ'd at a race. And so they are doing pretty well, all things considered. Fourth is Bill Skillman, 245 points. Chris Holbrook jumping up in the standings, 219 points to round out the top five. Archie Cohn, six, 212. David Barton, 202 and seventh. Randy Rampage Taylor with 198 points. Kevin Skinner in the Black Hammer, 191. And Scott Libisher, 169 points. Those are the top 10. The top 10 is elite. If you can go out there and make the top 10 in the samtech.edu factory stock showdown season, you have done something special. On the outside, looking in, Ryan Pretty, Leah Pritchett, David Janik, Carl Tasca, Pete Gasco, Mark Powick, and on down the list, you can check out the points on nhra.com. All right, let's get started with our Topeka winner, the Menards Heartland Nationals, presented by Minties. He got the job done. The fourth race, and now we are at the halfway point, and a Camaro is on the board. Joining us now, winner, Stephen Bell. Stephen, welcome to Factory Stock Podcast as a winner. How are you? I'm doing great. Just glad to be on the call. You said uh, in the winner's circle, from DNQ to the winner's circle, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of stories and a lot of testing between those two um, you know, moments, the disappointment of a DNQ to the, you know, celebration of victory. Let me tell you, it, it, from a family standpoint, I'll kind of start with it. We had, uh, my family tries to go to at least one, one race a year. And, and we were going to go to um, Big Cedar and Branson for a few days after the race with my three kids and, and Tiffany. And uh, the funny part was, is, is early last week, my 10 year old and my 13 year old said, dad, you got a minute. I said, yeah, what's up? And I said, um, well, dad, we, we kind of want to go to my, my daughter rides horses and my son plays golf. And they said, well, we, we kind of want to go to, uh, to a golf tournament and a horse show this weekend. And I said, you, you've kind of been sucking. And so would you mind if we stay here? And so needless to say on my end, I was motivated. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. No, it, it was, it was, it was one of those, well, we're, we're a competitive family. So it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's perspective and I love it. And, um, Greg and I were just talking and he's like, man, he goes, I, he goes, I haven't given you a car yet. And, um, I was busy working and Aaron, um, drove the car in Dallas on Tuesday, uh, all Tuesday. And then I met him at Oklahoma city on the way up Wednesday. And we probably made 50 attempts and, Greg just looked at me and says, I got it. I figured it out. And, um, we ran out of time and, and our first run down the track was really soft, uh, in Q1. And when it went down the track, we, we, we knew that we had fixed our problem. So it was, you know, it was all those guys, but, but they're, um, they are not going to give up. The, their competitive spirit is incredibly high. Wow. Did you say five zero attempts? Absolutely. 40 to 50. I can tell you this, we, 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 we ruined a motor testing and went through, I can't even begin to tell you all the transmissions and rear ends and, and ratios and converters. And, and I mean, it was just crazy, but we made that, that 
at least 50 temps in two days to, to get this thing corrected. Wow. Now, I know there's a lot of our listeners and uh, Factory Stock Podcast, and I, and I thank all the listeners. People are saying what's up in the pits and saying that they listen to this in addition to you know the WFO show that I do and all. But one thing that we are doing here is we're all learning together. And in a way, you're learning also because this class is, is brand new. And I know that Bo Butner and Drew Skillman are bringing pro-stock mentality and, fr- frankly, pro-stock people to this class. And after winning, Skillman is like, yeah, we're going to test. And after multiple runner-ups in a row, Bo Butner, yeah, we're going to test. We, we're testing. There's all kind of testing. So it sounds like if you want to be successful, you have to be ready to, to dive in with both feet. Well, it, there's two parts to that. Number one, yes. Um, what, what, you know, one of the things that makes this class great is, you know, we as sportsmen racers, I mean, we can dream of racing Leah or we can dream of racing Bo or Drew or whatever. And in this class, you can, and, and you do. And, and, and I think all the racers, you know, when I, when I raced Bo, I, I went and shook his hand and said, good luck. And I said, it's a real honor to get to race. Same thing with Drew. And, and to be able to compete with those folks and, and, and to put your game up against theirs and have some success, it tells you that you're doing things well. So you're going to, from that standpoint, you're going to have to really be competitive. But on the other side of it, um, I've got to give NHRA a lot of kudos that they didn't let uh, one brand, you know, dominate like they did last year. And so we, we've really had three different sets of rules in four races. And so if you're going to be competitive and they go change the rules for parity's sake, which is a good thing, we tested all winter and we had a bracket car that would run 775 to 780 every lap. But when we change pulleys and we've got to go to different ratios and different converters and uh, power applications that are different. I mean, you, if you're not testing, you, you're going to do exactly what we did and, and not qualify. So it's, um, it, it, it's become a different animal in, in just in one, one season. It has been very interesting to watch and cover all the discussions. Let's talk about the round-by-round round and the race win, and then I want to dive back into some more of those parody-related questions because I feel like we're close, but maybe not exactly where we want to be. I spoke with some of the Dodge teams, and you know they're still not feeling like they can compete just yet, but uh, you know I want to know where your head's at on that. But first of all, you're the hero of the series because you ran Drew Skillman in the first round, and in a wild race where you were both pedaling the car, you spun first, he spun past you, which is, that's so top fuel, right? <laughs> right? And then you got back on it, were able to recover first and win the race. But taking out the points leader, who had won two of three races, opens the door for everybody, including yourself, including Bo. And uh, I'm sure you got a lot of pats on the back. Uh, nothing against Drew. We love Drew. Drew's great. Uh, took the final qualifying session for him to get in the field. He got in the field. But... Now the points have opened up. There's opportunity for all, thanks to you taking him down first round. Well, we, we got lucky. I, I made a bonehead play. You know, Saturday morning, the, the air was great, and, and I just made a bonehead error in the car, um, and we made a bad run, and it put us down on the list. And, and I told Greg, I said, maybe something good will come out. But I said, I know our car's fast, and I said, maybe we can get the right guy. And I, and I wasn't thinking of Drew. I mean, the Skillman family, I mean, number one, we're, we're dear friends. And, and number two, I mean, they have got their game together. And so when, when we were fortunate enough to race each other, I, you know, I was just like, well, this is an opportunity. And, you know, I wasn't thinking of, oh, my gosh, this guy's 
leading the points, won some races. I was just like, man, if I do my job and we get lucky, it could be a game changer. And uh, because at the end of this race, we're, we're going into, you know, halftime, you know, four down, four to go. So, you know, there's an art um, to getting those cars to recover after they spin. And the better you're, the quicker they spin, the better off you are in trying to get them to recover. So in the car, I knew I was cooked, but I didn't see him. And I heard him kind of whomping on the throttle and I'm like, okay, I got a chance. And so, you know, uh, it's just a coin toss when you get to a, to a pedal fest. And so we, we were very fortunate, but it, it was, it was, it was the catalyst in which we needed to kind of get some momentum and confidence, even though we didn't make a good run. It was, it, that was our lucky break of the race. And let me tell you, I've watched a lot of people win races and they'll all tell you, you got to have one lucky round to get in the winner's circle. And that was the lucky one for sure. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting to watch that round one because everyone's loaded up and some are going down and some are not. And, Obviously, we had the horrible moment with Jesse Alexandra hitting the wall down there in the lights against uh, the eventual runner-up, Archie. And uh, that, that just was a sad moment because that car was really hurt. But at least Jesse got out. But it was a very interesting first round, to say the least. But, hey, I know what my listeners are wondering. And you don't have to share it if you don't want to. But I know what they're wondering. They're wondering what the bonehead move was. Can you share that or is that secret stuff? No, there, there's no secrets with us. When Aaron was testing the car... Um, he likes to be positioned in the car a little bit differently than I do. And I had stayed in the car. I'd left everything. He'd actually moved some uh, towels around. And then the last run, um, uh, I left it the way it was. And my foot slid not completely off the accelerator, but it rolled off of it to where for like three seconds in the run, I was only at 60% throttle. And so it was 100% my fault. I should have moved the seat back the way it was. And, um, there's no speed secrets or any tricks. It was just, Aaron was more comfortable in the car, putting some towels in the seat and and I was too dumb to take him back out. Wow. There it is. There it is. Everybody. We, uh, we, uh, get to the bottom of it all. So second round, you have to go up against Joe Welch, Joe Welch back and, uh, going to the second round. He took down Leah in the first round and that looks like a really quick and fast car. He went 805, but you went 799. And now here we are getting after it. We had Ned Wallace on a few weeks ago from NHRA. I encourage everybody to go back into the archive. We haven't had that many episodes on Factory Stock Podcast. You can certainly catch up. But he said that, you know, 799 for good runs, 80s for regular runs. That's where they want to be. And that's uh, certainly what we had on this given event. He's 805, you're 799 at 172, and you're taking the win. Yeah, it was a great race. And Joe's a, Joe's a nice man, and, and uh, he he's a big part of this class. Um, for him to be an independent campaigner for that Dodge, I mean, it, it's it, it's very impressive what he does. And it was a great race. And he he kind of giggled at me, and he said, "Just take it easy on me." And I'm like, I distinctly remember him beating me twice last year. And I said, "Well, I, I'm not taking it easy on you because you didn't me." But he he's a wonderful man and a great competitor. Very cool, very cool. So Archie, Ryan, Pretty, and Bo all advance, and Bo has got to be thinking, all right, here's the day, the day I make up all the ground on Drew and get after it and get back into this points championship or get you know near the top. Um, but semifinals, you and Bo, so you already kind of told us, you guys went over and you said, what's up? Here's a, a pro stock world champ. He's leading the points. He's won like four pro stock races this year. Just uh, really successful. And you uncork a 795, his 797. But I think what was probably more important to you, you left first to Hun 025. Well, I'll tell you, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you sit there and, and, and watch these races on TV and you're watching Bo and 
you know, my 13 year old son's going, you know, dad, you know, you think you can beat him? And, you know, you know I'm like, I, I think, you know, I hope. And, and, uh, anyways, Greg gave me one piece of advice where I got in the car and he says, he goes, if I was racing Bo and it was a pro stock car, I'd do this. And I'm not going to say what he told me to do, but it, it really made me focus and it really made me have a plan. Not to mention the fact that you're in the semifinals and you're racing a world champ and, you know, you're having a good day and you think you got a pretty fast car. And it was, to me, that's what makes racing, it's why I do it. I mean, I, I want the ball. I want the opportunity to try to do well and, and to be able to pull it off against a competitor like that. It was it was really a fulfilling uh, feeling to see that wind light coming on the wall going down the finish line. And you win the race. Archie wins the race against Ryan Pretty. And then all of a sudden, uh, you guys have won as a quasi-team, Stanfield Racing Engines. And you guys all kind of pit together, show up together. Uh, Aaron and Greg work on the cars together. You guys kind of consider yourself a team. So, you know, explain uh, at that point, did you feel like you had won as a team? Or is it still, you know, you and Archie both want to win the race. We see it when Coletta Motorsports both make the final round or Don Schumacher Racing both make the final round. They're very happy, but the game face doesn't come off just yet. How is it with you guys? Well, Archie and I are are dear friends. And when we started this thing a couple of years ago, I, and it was it, this this whole thing is a Stanfield Enterprises program. I mean, don't think for one second that 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 I have any mechanical knowledge as to what makes these cars go. And so when we, when we decided to start sharing some of our stuff, I, I was very specific and I want everybody that we race with to have the same stuff. You know, there's not an A plan, a B plan. And, and Archie and I, I mean, we are, we are dear friends. I mean, it's not racing. I mean, we're, we're friends. And I gave him a big hug and I said, man, there's no losers today. I said, I'm going to be just as happy for you if you win. As, as if I do. And Aaron, um, we went to Aaron. We said, Aaron, make these two cars as close as you can make them. And let's just, let's just see who goes, who goes there and wins. And I have no idea, um, where that 90 came from other than the fact in, in the, uh, winter circle, um, we had water coming out of that engine where we had blown a head gasket. So maybe it makes a better run on its last, last huff, but <laughs> There was no, there was no doubt that um, we as a team had won, and I promise you, if it'd been the other way, Archie was in the winter circle taking pictures with us, and I'd have gladly been in his winter circle taking pictures with him. So, it, there, there is, there is um, a lot of pride with the fact that both of our cars were in the final. And immediately while uh, Stephen is speaking, I went to NHRA Racer to see if there's any rules updates that have happened as of. As of that 790, <laughs> and there aren't just yet. You're good so far. Uh, I, I liked it. It was uh, it was fun to watch. So low ET of the meet, 790 with an 8. Uh, Bo Butner, high mile per hour, 176. So you won the race. Let's take a second, though, to talk about Greg Stanfield. It occurs to me, this guy's a, a four-time champ, multi-champ, many categories, great racer, pro-stock U.S. Nationals winner, but he did a lot of that, most of that, before there was social media, certainly. Before there was NHRA.TV, certainly. There was NHRA National Dragster. And, of course, uh, a lot of his accomplishments happened before the, the massive media coverage that we now have, where Lucas Oil Series racers 
are known and they get love and people are afraid of them. You know, we know what's going on. Just speak a little bit about Greg Stanfield for the people who are coming online with this class because they love the Camaros. They love the Mustangs. They love the Challengers. And they hear Stanfield, 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 but maybe don't quite get the history. How good is this man, Greg Stanfield, and obviously Aaron in association? Well, you know, Greg, Greg is my hero. I mean, he, I can remember as a kid going to the uh, first race in Ennis, you know, in 1986, as a kid, a 16-year-old kid driving from Longview, Texas to, to the races, and Greg was there, you know. And, and so when, when I moved to Shreveport, I immediately went to a shop and became his friend. And over a long period of time, I mean, you know, our relationship grown, and here we are racing together. But I, I knew there was something special with Greg. When you walk in a shop for the first time and you walk in, and there's this, there's this wall. And all that has is Wally's on it and it has all his accomplishments and all this other stuff. And I'm like, wow. You know I mean? It's, it's like you see, when you see that kind of hardware, you usually watch walking in a Hendrix place or, 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 you know, Schumacher shop or something. And I think that he's a walk in the back door kind of guy. You know, he doesn't necessarily want to see his name in lights and he's real comfortable with knowing what his successes are. And he didn't have to tell you about it. And so the people that don't, you know, that weren't involved in the sport, you know, 15 years ago, they might not, they might not have known who he was, but I can promise you, he is one heck of a competitor and he is, I mean, he's just a mad scientist. I mean, he, he gets in that shop and he thinks and he works and I mean, no different than, you know, a Bob Glidden or a Bill Jenkins. I mean, he, he's that kind of guy. Wow. That is a huge compliment and, and great to hear. Uh, it's put out there for people who are relatively new to the sport. And I hope that we have new fans coming in all the time. Okay. A couple of rapid fire questions. Number one point standings You sit in third, even with a DNQ. And obviously it can happen to anybody when you get 20 plus good quality cars showing up for 16 spots. You never know. Uh, Drew does still have a, you know, a significant lead and appears to still have a very quick and fast car. Bo in second place. Uh, Bill Skillman has already told us he's going to miss the final race of the year. So um, I don't know. I'm feeling like you might be the Chevy with the best opportunity. Do you think you've got something for these Cobra Jets? Well, I'll tell you, I I don't know. Uh, Race in, race out. But I I don't want to be the front runner. Last year I was at, I had the lead or, or, or was at near the top all season. And then I got beat by Dodge the last five races in a row in the semifinal or final. And Leah ran the table. And, um, there's a buddy of mine that, that, um, I drive some road racing cars with. And he told me after that, he said, he said, Steven, you got to lose a championship to win a championship. And, um, I'm not saying that I'm going to win a championship by any means, but I, I would rather come from behind with a lot of momentum from, like Leah did last year, then have to deal with the points lead and the pressure of that for, for seven or eight months. So Bo has a DNQ. I've got a DNQ. And if you win enough rounds, you can do it. Um, we're, are we at a disadvantage? Yes. Can it be done? I felt pretty good. I felt pretty good about it last year until Leah just absolutely ran the table on us. So I, I think you can, you can do it from either position. Do you feel the cars are equal now? At least uh, let's do the, let's do it this way. Uh, are you guys and the Fords? Do you have? Is there parity? Has parity been achieved from the NHRA perspective? 
do you think? I think I think that that's always evolving. But I will tell you this. Um, you know, I, I think that I think the magic number on these cars is seven point nine zero zero. I think if all cars are seven ninety and above, and we can keep those speeds at or below one seventy five, I think that that that's where the cars need to be, um, because there's you know the race to seven fifty uh, does not need to be how we need to do this. It's going to be too expensive. The cars are going to then lose their certification and all that stuff. So I think. I think 790s to 805 is a great place for it to be. And I think the I think the Fords and the Chevys are really close. If I had a preference and I had to make one run for my life, I'd probably – I'd say maybe the Ford might be a hundredth or two quicker. Um, and, and the Dodge, the difference in the Dodge is I'm not so sure that the Dodge is that far behind as much as there's just not as many of them. So if you've got three competitive Dodges and only one goes down the track – in any, you know, there's two Fords that don't go down the track or two Chevys that don't go down the track every session. I just don't think it gives, um, I don't think it's reflective of the performance of the car. I just don't think there's enough Dodges to give good data as rapidly as it does Ford or Chevy. Wow, that is a very interesting angle. And when you mention it, it makes a lot of sense. And of course, there's a lot of just discussion, debate, some might say whining and crying on the uh, on the Internet, but that's the whole point. You know, I see Ford people complaining. I see Chevrolet people complaining. I see Dodge people complaining. And if everybody is complaining, maybe we've got it to a good point. I don't know. No, I think, I think we're really close. I, I think that, um, I, I, th- I think that, you know, uh, maybe Dodge might be a little behind, but I, I know that I know that Leah's qualified in the top half most of the re- most of the races, and, and it's um, I think it's close. I, I, I think all three brands can and will win this season. There you go. All right, final question for Stephen Bell, race four winner in Samtech.edu factory stock showdown. We hear about win on Sunday, sell on Monday. Drew is a car dealer. Bo is a car dealer. You are a car dealer. I don't know if there is a class of drag racing that is more populated by car dealers. Do you offer some sort of, hey, I'm Stephen Bell and I won the race, so I'm going to give a discount to people who, uh, who come to the dealership? Does that happen? Well, you know, our organization is a little bit different. You know, it, it, we have a lot of different stores. We don't have a lot of names on the stores, similar to like Tasca or, or Skillman. Um, but let me tell you, you know, our, our fans know that we race, and, and, and any racing fan in, in, uh, that's a customer of ours gets, gets special attention. So this class, the 08 Cobra Jet, when it came back, is what made me scratch my head and go, I think I can do this. I mean, I'm a car dealer. I'm a car guy. This makes sense. And there's no doubt in dealing with the manufacturers that, that this creates a lot of positive energy for these Detroit American made cars that people want to buy. And for them to go see uh, a factory production, seven second, 175 mile an hour car that, that can be bought through a dealership, certainly has effect on sales and certainly drives interest, you know, brand interest. And so there's no doubt that everybody talks about this is what pro stock used to be. And because it is, I mean, these, these people come to these races and and drive Camaros and and Mustangs and go, man, that looks just like my Camaro. And and in their mind, they think if I put this motor in it or did this, my car would be that much faster. And that's, that's the magic of the class. There's no doubt about it. 
Definitely. Definitely love it. All right, look ahead to Norwalk, where uh, you mentioned we are at halftime, but the second half is coming real quick now, uh, as we'll be in Norwalk in a couple of weeks. Uh, are you going to do any testing between now and then? No. I, 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 number one, I don't think we've got time to do it. And, and number two, um, I, I think I think the air is going to be real similar to Norwalk. You know, testing in Tulsa, racing at Topeka, I think it's going to be very similar conditions. So I, I think that we're going to concentrate on making sure that all of our engines are fresh and ready to go because um, we had a lot of success up there last year. So I don't think there'll be any testing, but there'll be a lot of a lot of maintenance and preparation for the race. There you go. Stephen, thank you so much for coming on Factory Stock Podcast, sharing a little bit of the inside details to your victory out there at the Menards Heartland Nationals. First win for the Camaros. I know the Chevrolet fans are thrilled about it, getting on the board, beat their chest a little bit. And I know the Ford fans still leading the way, and uh, Dodge fans want to get on the board, and that's what's cool about this class. Thank you for spending a little time with us on Factory Stock Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you, Stephen. Stephen Bell, winner of Topeka, Kansas, the Menards Heartland Nationals, and the Samtech.edu Factory Stock Showdown. And the Copo Camaros are on the board, baby. They're on the board, and very interesting. Stephen Bell, Archie Cohn, making the final round. The Skillmans go out early, and all of a sudden the points open up with four races to go. It has been very interesting, been very exciting, and uh, it will be interesting to see what happens when we get to Norwalk. And, oh, yes, this edition of Factory Stock Podcast is the Norwalk preview. Since we are getting ready for in the middle of all these four in a row, we are going to look ahead to Norwalk and the next race. And joining us now, our next guest Started out as a Samtech student, graduated, went to work for David Barton, and now has hands-on three of the Barton-prepared cars out there in Samtech.edu Factory Stock Showdown. Joining us now is Travis Hilger. Travis, welcome to Factory Stock Podcast. How are you? Great. How are you? I am great. I am great. And this class is so uh, you know, new and fresh and exciting, and we are introducing this audience. I, I really believe it has its own fan base people who are maybe even new to the sport coming in we want to get them to know the drivers of course the engine builders the crew chiefs but in particular guys like yourself who are working on these cars you've got a pretty cool gig tell us about it yeah i've been lucky enough to get put in a really a really nice position and uh lucky enough to work on these uh these engineering marvels that we race and uh david david barton and i talked and um after graduating from sam tech he uh put me on with him and uh like you said i'm lucky enough to be able to work on some cars that he's prepared and and make some make some changes and and help the drivers that uh that he's prepared the chassis and engines for Wow. Now, I have, you know, a million questions, and what you get to do on a weekly basis is just awesome. Uh, but we say it all the time, you know, for the, for the young people out there, that Samtech can put you in position to get a job doing something that you love. And you are the exact example of that. Um, the, the Travis that first went to Samtech versus Travis now. Like, uh, <laughs> did, you ever, did you ever think you'd come this far? Like, give me an example of, of how they helped you. Well, uh, I, to be honest with you, when I started out, I started out um, where I'm from in Georgia uh, at a small machine shop and then uh, actually saw the banner on the wall at the local racetrack for Sam. Uh, back then it was Sam Racing before it was uh, converted to Sam Tech. 
and uh, decided to check it out. And I looked into it, and I went to the school with the intentions of doing um, just machining. Um, so I did the block in the head program, and then, um, of course, as you're walking by every day, you see these crazy CNC machines doing all kinds of different stuff. And once I went through the cylinder head department, I knew, you know, what they were doing. And uh, so then I decided to to go ahead and enroll in the CNC um, class that, w- that they offer there. And uh, as I was going through CNC, the school was turning from SAM racing more into SAM tech and it went through that transition and where we added uh, the uh, associates program and then we added the tuning class. Um, so obviously my, it was probably more of a push by my parents, you know, to want me, to want me to do the associates program. So I went ahead and knocked that out. And um, I was really intrigued by the first couple of classes of tuning um, that I saw on the chassis dyno and going to the track and making the changes. And, and you know, kind of what drives me is, is the I, w- I want to know what the black magic is, you know. And, and a lot of times the black magic was from the outside looking in was the engine building aspect. So once I learned that, then I wanted to learn the next step, which in my view and, and was the tuning part of it. So, um, I wanted to know how to make the engines that I prepare perform at the best level that I could. So then I I signed up to take the, uh, the tuning class and it's, it's just been awesome ever since being able to, to tune and fix build and, anything i needed to do to the engine side of it as well wow now that is a that is a dream and knowing where the black magic is do you do you know now do you feel confident as much as anybody can with these machines that are ever evolving and ever changing do you feel uh confident obviously david barton feels pretty confident in you <laughs> yeah i i uh i've i feel like i've been extremely lucky um in every aspect to get put in the position i am um, it, I can, I've, I've been looking, you know, and, and trying to find the black magic, but, um, I, I think hard work is, is where, what separates a lot of teams and, and not, not that there's some that work harder than others, but just, it, it just seems like when you, when you're out there and you're working hard and you, and you get a chance to test more, you're going to find stuff, um, that's going to separate you on race day. And, and testing is a huge deal. So um, it, it, it all has to come together. It has to be a huge, you know, you have to bring everything together to make, make it all work. So uh, it's not just one thing that I thought maybe it would be. It's, it's the whole package. Very cool and uh, great to see that when I am on the microphone or on my other podcast, WFO Radio, or on here, telling you know the young people of the world like this is going to benefit them if they want to you know live their dream of working on a race car or becoming a cnc machinist or something as simple as just learning a career that you know can't be taken away from them uh that there are living breathing examples of exactly that out there racing amongst us that you know we're able to get jobs and able to do exactly what we have been saying oh yeah absolutely i would i would say you know because it's not only me uh, that has been lucky enough to be in this position. Uh, we have uh, two other guys that I went to school with at Sam Tech 
uh, that work for the Stanfield team that are, that are, they're in the same boat as I am. Uh, fortunately, um, for those guys, you know, they've, they've put in the time and the effort and they've, they've been real successful in their adventures with Archie and, and helping, you know, with Stanfield and the Janik brothers. And, uh, so they've been, they've been doing really well. Um, and it's just, you, you put in the effort at the school to learn what you want to learn and you, you're pumped up and, and you can go, you know, almost anywhere that you want if you put in the time and the effort. Tremendous, and that's exactly what it is. No, I, I have spoken with the Stanfield guys as well, even recorded a, a little something with them out in Charlotte that we'll be playing later on in the season, but great stuff. All right, let's start talking about racing, which is why most people listen to Factory Stock Podcast, of course. Uh, you work for David Barton, so which cars out there uh, have your fingerprints on them? Uh, lucky enough, this year I've been able to uh, be the crew chief uh, for three of David's and Ray Barton's prepared cars. Um, first is, uh, Robert Falcone with the sawmill auto car. Um, then Mr. Doug Hamp, uh, with the Hamp racing car. And then, uh, Jesse Alexandra, uh, with his Matt Blue, uh, Copo. Okay. Let's start right there with Jesse because Jesse obviously had a, uh, bizarre incident at the top end of the racetrack in the shutdown area. And so if you work with Jesse, I texted with Jesse and Jesse said the car was in surgery uh, and that he would have you know more information uh, as someone who works on the car. You know, what can you tell us about what went down? Obviously, only tell us what you can tell us. But uh, what can you tell us? Yeah, uh, I, I talked to Jesse I, probably shortly after you did yesterday. The car is at uh, Barton shop. Um, I, I don't work there on a day to day basis. I have a small machine shop in Georgia that I, uh, owner operator of. So, uh, the car is up there with Barton, uh, right now and they're dissecting everything. Some of the issues that we thought may be, uh, the cause, um, we've seemed to have eliminated. So we're not clear right as of yet exactly what the cause was, but obviously, like Jesse said, the investigation is still undergoing to make sure that we figure out what's going on and if if it's something that we can help other racers with or if uh if it something that nhra uh needs to know then uh, we'll you know provide that information as fast as we can so at time of this interview uh inconclusive just yet um and you know i don't want you to speak for jesse uh but you know i hope he is still enthusiastic about running in the class it's different. Uh, At least my opinion is it's different. You tell me, Travis. But these cars are, you know, they're real cars. It's not like a chassis where, you know, you cut off a couple of bars and you re-weld them and you put a new body on it and it can go again. These are real cars. And so when, when one gets uh, torn up, it's almost like its, it's own little spirit uh, changes. And so, you know, it, it, is he going to be back? Is he, does he want to be back? That kind of stuff. Oh yeah, it's uh it's actually been um it's from from my standpoint it's been pretty amazing uh at his uh at his attitude towards the whole situation. Obviously it's it's you know probably like losing a family member or something like that when you see you know it, it, something that you've put so much time and effort into um in the condition that that we last saw it in. Um but I can tell you from talking to Jesse yesterday, 
uh, right now his mindset is his one of his biggest disappointments at, at this moment is the fact that he's not going to make it to Norwalk. Um, and so everything, everything's on go. Um, where parts are, are being ordered to fix and, and, uh, and get that, get that car that's so special to him back on the track. Um, there, there hasn't been a, from what I've talked to him about, there hasn't been a, an idea or a thought of, giving up or or stopping it's all all roads on go to try to get this thing back to the track and like i said he's just <laughs> some somehow some way his attitude is that he's just disappointed that he's not going to be able to make it to norwalk so i think you know as far as as how bad the situation is i think he has an absolutely awesome attitude towards the whole situation Oh, tremendous. No, oh, so good, so good. Because, you know, watching that, nobody wants to see that. From David's incident out there in Gainesville, and uh, we have seen just several, Randy Eakins and now Jesse, just, uh, it, and it comes back to the, the Marvel. You said these cars are engineering Marvels. They're going so quick, so fast. Uh, 790s, 80s was the goal. I spoke with David at the start of the season. He said flat out, you know, we got to be careful about accelerating like uh you know the class accelerating too quickly down to that 7.50 ET where the cars are teched to and uh, NHRA has done a lot to back them up and based on what I saw this past weekend I feel like they have uh with you know 790s 80s kind of being where uh most people are but I would love your thoughts on like what you've seen what you've done I know the Ford fans, the fan base out there are like very irate about the rules changes. But you guys with the Copos, you've had to change the rules just about every race as well. Pulley changes, maybe not quite as much. But now they've got you in a position where it appeared you guys were pretty close. It was uh, very hot during qualifying. Uh, Eliminations day was totally different. Um, Give me your assessment of, you know, where everybody is in terms of parity and are you comfortable where you are now in terms of overall power and elapsed time? Uh, I think, uh, I think we're getting, getting there. Um, especially with my three guys where we're, we're trying to do our best to keep up and try to, you know, obviously we have David, uh, you know, that, that can help us in any, any situation. We're trying to get our three guys, you know, we've, we've been misfortunate to, uh, to miss some of the qualifying efforts, um so far this year Jesse made an absolutely amazing pass to qualify um for this race which was a shock to a lot of us with a lot of the issues that we've had with his car um but um as as far as the parity goes I think I think we're still uh a little off uh I think the the ability for the Fords to leave as soft as they, they can leave and, and run 176, 177 miles an hour. Um, I just think that with that mile an hour that they can run, um, it still, it still holds them out front a little bit where they can leave soft and then, and then turn in the power, um, a little bit harder. But, you know, as we saw, if, if you, if you put the pressure on them, even if you can't run the same mile an hour, um, as the Stanfield guys did, you know, anything can happen on race days. So I'm excited to go to the track, you know, where I feel like we have a chance, even if they have a little more power than we do, um, we can still run with them if, if they make a mistake or, 
or if we do really, really well. Um, so it's close, uh, but uh, I still, you know, being a Chevrolet guy uh, for the season, of course, I I still feel like still feel like the Fords have a, have one up on us. But you know, that's that's racing. You know, we'll we'll we need to push push harder to get our stuff to the next level. So that that's always good to have that out there. Absolutely, and the uh, the you know the concept of of parity rules. We can, you know, you can try to get them as close as possible, but maybe we'll never get them I- exactly identical because of the differences in the combination. In in fact, to me, it's, you know, it's kind of a miracle they're as close as they are already, given the fact that the Ford architecture is just totally different than what you guys are using. And the Dodge guys, I have spoken with them at length, and uh, I, you know, I want them to be competitive. I want to see Mark Powell go out there and be in a part of the story, along with Leah Pritchett and Alan Johnson, Joe Welch. Uh, they feel like they got to get everything in the first 60 feet, or they can't compete. So uh, we've already l- reduced weight for them. I, I don't know what would be next, though. It's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I. I... We got to keep them close, and we got to we got to have them in there. That the the Dodge team, they have a tremendous following, you know, and and it's it's amazing, you know, that that they uh, that they still to the you know to this day I see on the internet everybody you know is still pushing so hard to have Leah and Mark up there, and uh, I feel like they've had some unfortunate uh, circumstances in their camp, and and I, I don't know necessarily if it's if it's power or, or just, you know, they need, they've just had some, some parts breaks and some failures or if they, if they do need more help. But I, I think they, if they make a good clean pass, they can compete with, with the best of us. So I, I feel like that it's just a matter of time before they get back to where, where they were last year, you know, running at the top and, and competing with everybody else. Yeah, Stephen Bell was just on and, and just mentioned uh, something that Warren Johnson has told me in the past, just the uh, the power of numbers, right? When there's, you know, uh, eight Cobra Jets and nine Copos or more, uh, that's a lot of people trying a lot of different things. And when you've only got four cars out there, it's harder to advance because there's less people trying, uh, you know, less things. Yes, sir. I, I agree with that tremendously. I, I think... Uh... You know, obviously, with the resources that they have, I'm sure that that cuts down on on some of that. Um, but uh, I'm sure at the end of the day, it, it definitely helps to have more cars that are, you know, very similar, especially teammates. Um, you know, having cars that are identical, I feel like really gives you a step up. And I think from the results of this weekend, you can kind of tell that 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 is definitely a fact. Travis, let me ask you one more question as we get ready. You know, Norwalk next weekend and the next race on the schedule, and all of a sudden we're on the back half of the season. And uh, I, I am hoping that uh, as time goes by and the class gets more and more well-known and popular, we can expand a little more. Not too much to make it crazy for everybody, but uh, loving the cars. But you get to work on them. And most of our listeners, I would imagine, are a nice combination of, like, extreme insiders that are in the class that are looking for information and extremely casual fans that think they're cool but know nothing about them. And I think that's a good place to be so we can exchange information. So when you go to work and you are working on these cars, you've got experience in racing, you've seen a lot of stuff, 
You've touched a lot of different amazing machines. What impresses you the most about these particular cars with their factory style engines, the fact they're heavy, the nine inch wide tire, but you're going into the programming. You are looking at fuel injection and you're mapping and you're pulling, uh, you know, timing out and you're putting timing in. Aaron Stanfield once told us he was just stunned by what can be accomplished with the laptop. Like that, that's amazing. Like you don't have to do anything. And with the laptop, you can make them run totally different. So on that same uh, vein, what, what impresses you? Whenever you go to work and you're putting your hands on these cars, you walk away like, I can't believe that these things can do this. What would, what would that be? Uh, I, I think the, the, in my opinion, the, the greatest thing that, that really stands out the most to me is that these cars can run these numbers on a nine inch tire. Uh, I, you know, that's definitely, I would say the limiting factor of the class and, and, you know, because of that, that you have to do so much work with the computer to make the car go down the track. And yeah, I mean, obviously the computer does amazing, can do amazing things. And I think with, uh, with some of these teams, especially the Cobra jet teams, um, using different software for every, every car and every combination, we're seeing even more technology come, come, come out. And that's just, it's going to be amazing. I think it's going to change the class with the technology that's still, still coming out where you can tune wirelessly and remotely and, and stuff like that. So that the computer is becoming even, even bigger of a part than, than uh, a lot of people even realize. But uh, I really do like the nine inch tire. And I think that that keeps the class, you know, kind of where it is. And the, I mean, the engines make tremendous horsepower um, for what they have. I mean, we have, you know, the, the three, the Fords with the 302, 327 combination and, there's, you know, the Chevrolets are running and the, and the Dodgers are running only 350, 360 inches. I mean, that's to me to make the power to run what they do on a nine inch tire. It's, it's just a insane, insane setup. So, I mean, these cars to weigh what they weigh, you know, maybe a little too much. Um, it's, you know, arguable on that side, but, uh, I think just as a whole, the, the, the cars are, are just amazing pieces of machinery. I totally agree, and that's why we do this factory stock podcast. And when Bo told us about that wireless system, I thought it was cool. And, I, you know, I, I hope that everybody is all right with it because that's just the way technology works. So, you know, as he said, nobody's good enough to tune it while it's going down the racetrack. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I'll, uh, I'll leave it at that. There you go. Travis, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Excellent work here on Factory Stock Podcast. Uh, thank you for the update on Jesse's machine and for what you're doing with Doug and Robert. And obviously, most importantly, um, you know, explaining like your career at Samtech and how it helped you. And that is the whole goal of this is that uh, we, as in drag racers, we need the next generation to come in and get passionate and love what they're doing and understand that there's a spot for them. And uh, you're a perfect example of that. So thank you for coming on Factory Stock Podcast. Congratulations on what you have already done. Pretty uh, amazing to get to this point. And I know there's a long way to go. So thank you for coming on the show and thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much, Joe. I really appreciate the time and, and I truly am flattered to be on here and that you uh, that you had me on here today. Great job. Thank you. Thank you, Travis. Thank you for saying that. Travis Hilger with us here on Factory Stock Podcast. 
crew chief for three cars out there, works for David Barton, most importantly, graduated from samtech.edu. And to hear it from someone who is actually out there living that dream, like, I want to do this, I'll go get educated, and so I can maybe do this, and now he's doing it, uh, amazing. And to hear the evolution along the way, really, how he was just going to become a, a machinist, and then said, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, race cars, I can do this, I can be part of that, and now he is, and he's got his hands on some of the most uh, advanced cars and drag racing, fr- frankly, uh, pretty cool, very exciting. Thanks to Travis for coming on Factory Stock Podcast. want to remind everybody to subscribe, either Apple Podcasts, now on Spotify, you can get the show in many different places if you write a review, that is very, very helpful, but also it is very helpful for you to just tell your friends, like that works too, old school word of mouth, like, hey, you like this cl- category? Uh, listen to this show, and we will eventually hear from all the stars and people and personalities throughout, and I have no doubt there's going to be a Dodge in the Winter Circle at some point this year. I certainly feel like that is going to happen the way they are progressing and moving. We're going to cover that story as we get on to Norwalk, and speaking of Norwalk, it is time to start looking ahead. Joining us now from samtech.edu was out there at the race in Topeka. Oh yeah, you can't skip them anymore, can you? Brian Massengill joining us now. Brian, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Joe. No, I, I can't. There's there's too much going on, and uh, that's with the racers and with the track and with the uh, with the NHRA themselves. And it's uh, I think we had one of our best races um, this past week in Topeka, and uh, and you know it, it is uh, pretty awesome, pretty hey. awesome that we're we're getting some good side by side racing. Still got a couple issues to work out in the in the hot parts of the day uh, with no cloud coverage, but. But we're getting there. We're getting there. Well, exactly. And, um, you know, here, here's what I say. Like this show and everything that I try to do, and I know you feel this way, but I'm going to say it, is uh, hopefully rooted in, you know, positivity, positive energy. We're excited. We love what's going on. Uh, there, there are some negative Nancys out there, and I get it. I get it. I understand why the power of negativity, like seeing some Ford fans out there very angry that a Chevy got a win, uh, even though Fords had dominated the season, calling it a Camaro show, saying, like, I think that's just not based in reality, what we're seeing. The Dodge fans got a little bit more beef, but I feel like they're getting it, and they're coming on, and they're going to get there. Uh, but generally, like the people that I speak with that are involved, the racers themselves, the fans of the class, they are loving what they're seeing and getting down the track under power. It's a hard thing to do. It's not an easy thing. It's a hard thing, especially when someone in the other lane is putting the pressure on you. Absolutely. That's it. And, you know, you kind of talk about these people on the message boards or Facebook or on Twitter and everything. And it is. They're not fans of our class. They they just want to complain about something, and they don't know the first thing about what factory stock is. Um, you know, somebody was on there chirping about, ah, it's a Chevrolet class. Well, one, there's more Copos made than there are drag packs and uh, Cobra Jets. There are more of them racing in the class. Every Ford that raced qualified. Every Dodge that raced qualified. And seven Chevys didn't make the show. Uh, just there's more of them. Um, Chevrolet hadn't had an, we hadn't had an all Chevrolet final in over a year. Uh, that's Chevrolet's first race win in over a year. Um, let me think about this. Yeah. Dodge won five of seven races last year in the championship. The Fords had won every race this year so far. So to say that it's, uh, an all Chevy show, you're not paying attention to the class and you don't really care. You just want to complain online. (laughs) You know what though, Brian? Okay. Listen, this is so true. 
And this is how. This is a, a secret. Everybody that's listening, right, you're going to get like a window into the world of uh, human psychology right now. This one dude that said this one thing motivated you, me, Brian Loans. <laughs> We're talking about it on the show. It was obviously an uninformed comment, but that one uninformed comment just got a lot of people up like, really, man, are you serious with this that uh, you think it's a Chevy show? Have you been watching? Have you been seeing it? Like, if you're a Dodge fan, I get you're a little annoyed right now, but you had last year to celebrate and uh, others did not. Uh, it's going to cycle through. Overall, it has been good in getting better. And I think we saw it this weekend with the Skillman's going out round one, Stephen Bell taking him out in a race that was just a crazy race, like a driver's race who can get the power going again. Stephen smoked the tires first, and then Drew drove past him, and then Drew. That, that's like, you know, top fuel style racing with full body 3,500 pound cars. It was exciting. Yeah, not every run is uh, full power to the stripe, but that's why people complain about Pro Stock, because every run is full power to the stripe for the most part. So. It's just schizophrenic, really. It's like you've got a fan base of drag racing fans that are schizophrenic. They, they don't know what they want, but they definitely, some people, like one person, want to complain to get a little validation. And boy, did we give it to them. Big mistake. Right. No, I, you're, you're right. We did. And that was the other thing. The, the real fans of the class kind of jumped on those, jump on those comments and say, what are you talking about? Are you paying attention? The same things that I just said, that you've said, that Brian Lindsay said, that everyone has said. Look at what's happening. If you really, if you know the class, you know what's really going on. And I know our listeners do. I know that the fans of this class uh, have an idea of what's actually going on. And we are getting so close to uh, to some great parody. I mean, we um, we had a really great field again, um, uh, the furthest west we've ever gone. And uh, I appreciate all the drivers turning out for this race that did, and the ones that didn't. I don't have. A, there's no hard feelings. I get it. You all have jobs and lives and. And this was a very far race for a lot of people. Yes, absolutely. And let's just make that the motto of Factory Stock Podcast. And, and I know that we got a lot of people inside the, the class and, and people who put their hearts and souls into this uh, listening. And, uh, you know, let's try not to make that mistake again and just let positivity rule. We're all trying to do something cool here. And we got great people and personalities who are out there. And this was a really great race. Like, I think Chris Holbrook emerging with that excellent run and qualifying was super cool. I know Chris spends a lot of time uh, with the customer cars, and so his car kind of is, uh, you know, the last thing on his mind, unfortunately, because he wants to make the customer's experience fantastic. Uh, we had, you know, good moments. We had negative moments. Uh, another positive moment, Joe Welch getting in, and, uh, you know, he hadn't showed up to some races at the start of the season. He and Leah battling first round, so you get a dodge going to the second round. Very interesting stuff. We had negative moments. Jesse Alexandra, which uh, Travis Hilger just told us, you know, they, they're uh, basically doing a, an analysis of the car and trying to figure out what went down. But Jesse is excited and motivated to get back going again and disappointed he's not going to be in Norwalk. But um, the, the whole gamut of emotions, top to bottom, were run this past weekend. No, there absolutely were, and, and again, you know, I, I don't want to single out any racers, but um, but uh, David Kramer, you know, that that team coming out had a really good first showing. This was their first showdown event, and and um, you know, they another Sam Tech graduate is on that team, is the crew chief, and, and they had a really good showing. They um, got out there and just missed the field, um, but yeah, a lot happened this weekend, and. Um, 
sadly, we're not going to get to see a lot of it. It's, we're just not covered in that capacity on NHRA. I should have done a better job negotiating our contract or something, I guess. But but I, I fought hard for it, and you know we're we're getting great coverage. Um, Brian does a great job calling our races, the finals that get to air on the big show, and then when we get on the uh, on the uh, Lucas Oil Series show, you know we get uh, at least two rounds on that. And and so if you're not watching, if you if you want to watch, you know um, I know Kevin McKenna has been doing a great job of getting articles up after every round of qualifying uh, with videos that he can get um, from all access, or excuse me, NHRA TV now. Um, and putting those in there. So there's, there's ways to follow us and ways to see what's going on. If you're not at the track and, and, uh, and you're not, and you want to do more than just listen to this podcast, there's amazing ways to follow us. And that we've got a great group of announcers and fans and supporters that are, that are doing everything they can to get everybody out there. And, and that's what makes this, these race weekends so great is that um, all the drivers are out there um, putting everything they've got into it. And, you know, we've got a great uh, group of fans and supporters all the way around. And it's a, it's going to be, let's face it, it's a grassroots situation, and we're trying to grow it into something that is, a, you know, maybe a major mainstream situation. A perfect example, though, since you bring that up, Brian, you know, I, like I work for the NHRA on these race weekends as a traveling track announcer, and I'm part of the track announcing team. And something that has fallen into my situation with my background with the WFO radio podcast is uh, the social media stuff. And so this past week, right before final qualifying, we did a Facebook Live from the staging lanes of the Factory Stock Showdown uh, you know, situation. And we went you know, from nose to tail the whole field, and we spoke with many, not all, but many drivers, including Drew Skillman. He's got his back against the wall. He might not qualify. Bo Butner, Stephen Bell before going out and winning the race, Archie Cohn and others, uh, Mark Powick, and it put you right there at the track. Now, how do you get that? Well, you got to follow, uh, you got to like NHRA on Facebook, and when the alert comes down that they're doing a Facebook Live, you watch it. And more importantly, when... When you see it, you got to share it, right? you got to share it so that your friends and family that love Factory Stock Eliminator as well can see it as well. It's not the point where we're, you know, it's going to just be served up uh, alone very often. When it happens, you got to support it, which I think they're doing. No, they are. They absolutely are. We've, we've got, you know, uh, we're not the biggest class in the world. We go to eight races, and uh, we're very um, small fish on a very big pond, and, and the support that we get is unparalleled. There's, you know, I, I, when we had our little meeting uh, before the race started up on, on Friday, you know, a fan came up and, and thanked you for doing this podcast and said that, hey, I'm only here to watch Factory Stock Showdown and, and Pro Mod. That's all I care about right now. And, and you're starting to see a lot more fans like that. And I, you know, I know that Nitro pays the bills, but you're getting fans that um, love that and grew up watching that. But there's some new exciting stuff going on. In the NHRA and um, NHRA's uh, finding secondary ways, you know, again, not necessarily on Fox, but we are out there and they're allowing you to go cover things. Um, you know, with this podcast, it's a little different. It's not a, an official NHRA deal, but um, with the Facebook Live, that is a, an official NHRA deal. And it's 15 minutes of talking to the drivers right before they go. And like you said, some of them weren't qualified yet and they had their back up against the wall and they're taking time and talking to you about it. And that's something that. You're not really seen in a lot of these other classes, and, and that's one of the things that helps us grow. Absolutely. Very exciting stuff, and, uh, you know, again, generally, uh, the response is extremely positive, 
as we are just a couple of years into this. All right, so let's talk about some of the big moments. First of all, the Drew Skillman romp uh, in the point standings was kind of curtailed by Stephen Bell's big round one victory. So Drew and uh, and Bill both out first round. Bill has already told us that he has to miss a race at the end of the year. And so Drew is still in the championship lead. But then Stephen Bell goes out and takes down Bo Butner in the semis. So the points are very close, very tight. And then the all-Stanfield prepared final round, Stephen Bell uncorking that 7.908. And I talked to all of those guys. Put up a little video on uh, social media uh, from the winner's circle. And they were all like, you know, they had no idea where that 90 came from. They were uh, maybe, you know, I don't want to say disappointed in running a 90, but they were a little disappointed in running a 90 right. because it was, you know, it may wrangle the rules makers. But I don't know. I don't think so. And every time I have a guest on here, I always go to uh, the website just to see if anything has dropped. Have you heard anything? I haven't heard anything uh, with a quick turnaround that we've got. And uh, I, I can't, I'd be shocked if they, there's nothing really to change right now. We're, we're in a really good spot. Um, talking to all the racers in the Chevy and Fords, at least, um, they are, they're, they're satisfied with where we are. Um, you know, winning helps cure kind of all that. And I think the Fords look at it and say, okay, they got uh, one in the first half of the season. We'll go get the next three and give them one more, maybe something like that. But, but, um, the Ford seemed content with where everybody was. They know that the racing is getting tighter, and I think they, they kind of want that. They're competitors. They don't want anything easy. Um, I know especially Bo Dudden and Drew Dudden, but but um, don't think that they're not going to be uh, back in their shops working on these engines trying to pick up more. Well, exactly, and that is the thing that I am taking from it is the amount of testing. Stephen Bell told us made 50 runs testing, between 40 and 50 attempts uh, to, to get things right. And if you're going to play at this level, you have to expect that days like that are going to be a part of a successful uh, race weekend. You know, you've got to put the time in, and uh, that's what the successful teams are doing. Drew Skillman certainly handling it uh, as if it's a pro-stock situation. Bo Butner handling it that way. That's just what it takes. The cars are different, but the mindset, the mental side of it uh, is, is very similar to whatever top-tier racing series in the nhra it is no that's it um it, like you said i mean they i i you know i know the stanfield uh team very well uh you know i've raced with them steven and archie and and uh getting to know randy and and the janics a lot better um but we're all division four racers and so i i've been seeing those guys around for years and years and years and um and i know how much hard work they're putting into it and i know that also because we've got two graduates over there um, and so they tell me, man, we were testing hard. We're in, so this isn't something that you can just show up to, you know, leave the car in the trailer and, uh, expect to win. You know, there's some times where maybe you can get lucky, but everybody who's winning races is testing a lot. And, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot to be said about the commitment that the racers and teams are putting into this class. I spoke with Kevin Helms last episode. All you listeners out there, we've only had X amount of episodes. You can certainly catch up very rapidly if you want to spend an afternoon binge listening to Factory Stock Podcast. But Kevin Helms uh, talked about, you know, like the search for weight to remove on uh, Leah's car, El Bandito, and Mark Powick's car is a little bit uh, lighter, but they Mark's a bigger driver. Um, what, what else can be done for the Dodges, if anything? Because I know that they still have to get... 
they got to get a lot of ET in the first 60 feet, so they have to be more aggressive, unlike the the Fords uh, most often, the Chevrolets uh, probably in between. Um, they can be a little soft at the hit. As we go to Norwalk, I don't know what the weather's going to be like, but in the past it has been pretty warm, and so that means uh, the first 60 feet could be challenging. Uh, that's that's true. It it, it could be warm. Uh, I think we could see a situation where we've got one day of qualifying that um, you're going to have to lay back a little bit more on the 60 foot, kind of like what we had this weekend in Topeka. Um, but that track at Norwalk, you know, they they pride themselves on being you know uh, being so good at, at the start line and, and throughout the entire track. Even you know um, there were some problems at Topeka that just because of the heat. Um, you were seeing some of the drivers kind of spin and, and uh, when they'd hit second gear or third gear at the 330 or wherever it was down track. But um, Norwalk uh, really prides themselves on being such a well-prepared track that I think the drivers are going to be able to throw a little bit more at it. Um, hopefully we get some cloud coverage and um, and we're able to go racing um, the way that these cars are meant to kind of go. You know, the next two races, I was talking to some of the drivers about the track prep and they were saying, you know, um, this race, the, the NHRA dragged and sprayed before every pass we made, and that's um, that's awesome, and we really appreciate it. It helps out so, so much with getting these uh, small tire cars down the track uh, without spinning. Good side-by-side racing is what we need for this class to grow and to thrive and uh, to survive, really. All right, let's put you on the spot, Brian. Let's put you on the spot. Halfway point. It's, uh, Stephen Bell referred to it as halftime of the season. we got four down, four to go. Nice place to be. Uh, I'm hoping for a continued expansion of the schedule to a number that is manageable and both reasonable for everybody involved. Uh, and that's what uh, you know your job is, and I think it is great. But let's just do some rapid fire. Like, okay, here we are at the halfway point. Uh, every sport, you might do something like this. Baseball, all-star break, for example. So, uh, you know, biggest surprise of the 2019 season for you? Um, the lack of success from the Dodgers. I think that that's really it. Um, I, I maybe I should say that in a different way. All the success the Fords have had. Let me be a little bit more positive and not so negative with my comment. But um, the Fords really came out and dominated the first three races. Um, I know Stephen Bell got in to the finals at the Gators, but um, that was I think I believe Carl Tasca red lit and kind of gave that away to Stephen. Um, not trying to take anything away from what Stephen's accomplished this season, but. But uh, if you asked him, he you know he, he might look at that as a gift. Um, but the success of the the Fords, I thought that the Dodgers would be more competitive this year, and um, and only reason they've kind of it seems like the only reason they've gotten out of uh, one round of eliminations is because you had two Dodgers go up against each other. Yeah, the the numbers game definitely working against them, and uh, the Dodgers dominating the second half of last year and winning the championship. We want to see them in the mix, and hopefully they will. Okay, top performer. Um, I, I mean, you got to give it to the Skillman crew right now. Um, and I, I actually, I'll just say uh, the Holbrook team. Everyone that's got a Holbrook engine has been running uh, really well, really, really well. I mean, you look at um, your top five points, Stephen Bell with the Stanfield engine gets in there at third, but it's Drew, Bo, Stephen, Skillman, and then Chris Holbrook right there. Um, so, I mean, it, it's got to be uh, Chris Holbrook, and he, he hasn't won a race this season, but he has because his cars have won, or his engines have won three of them. So uh, it's got to be Holbrook. Okay. What about uh, you know like breakout sensation? Someone who hadn't been doing that great in the past, but is now like on the map. 
Um, that's kind of tough. Right now, our top ten are, are all drivers and, and racers that have been with us. Um, you know, that have been racing so long with us. Uh, I think that you know Ryan, pretty uh, new to the class. They they've kind of they were struggling a little bit, but they they found something. You know, I, I talked to them after the their semifinal loss, and they were in good spirits. They said, you know, we learned a lot this weekend, and we're ready to go. And and I hate to do take anything away from some of our uh, more tenured drivers, but but that team really seems like they they think they've got it figured out, and they're going to keep grinding and and uh, keep going rounds. No, I agree. I agree. I, I think Randy Taylor and and Scott Libisher yeah, both yeah. have really both stepped them, up. and they've been with us. You know, Randy and, and Scott have been with us, and they've been uh, busting their butts. And and uh, Randy's had a lot of success in this class. I, I think it's just a matter of time before he and Scott both get a win in this class. And uh, definitely. And what about like uh, you know shining star award, so to speak, the first half? Like somebody who has uh, you know big personality who has uh, elevated themselves to be like, you know, face of the class, uh, doing exactly what uh, everybody wants, which is giving people a reason to watch factory stock. Um, I don't know that there's any individual one person. Uh, you know, obviously Bo is a larger-than-life personality, but maybe I might even say Daryl from over there uh, with with Bo. I mean, he's he's a larger-than-life personality, but the fans don't really get to see him too much. Um, it's It's such a great class because of all of the camaraderie we have um you know again when when jesse wrecked it everyone was there to make sure that he was okay um every team every uh manufacturer they were all checking on him and and so this class really doesn't have a standout star like that you know obviously you've got um some real nhra's firepower you've got leah pritchett and Bo and drew and so we've got these pro racers that are here um that are that are really helping lift this class up into another stratosphere. But um, the sportsmen, you know, Stephen Bell, Arthur Cohn, uh, David Barton, uh, Holbrook, and Skinner, and all of those guys that, that don't come from the pro side of things, um, they they make this class as much as, as any Pritchard or Skillman or Butner do. Um, they They all bust their butts just as much as the next one. Absolutely. And let me ask you, by the way, I want everybody to know, I did not tell Brian I was going to do this to him. And that, no, I'm kind of blindsided. <laughs> that's so. it. But that's, uh, look, you're handling it so well, Brian. You're handling it so well. And here's another thought that I had. You know, the top ten in points in every eliminator is a big deal. For instance, in the top fuel, pro stock, you make the countdown. It's a huge reward. And so studying the point standings and looking at the tenth, let's keep that same logic with factory stock, right? You got Kevin Skinner, the Black Hammer. He promises me they're going to have the words, the Black Hammer, the name of the car on the car at some point in this season. Uh, you know, I'm not pressuring him, but if he did it, it would be great. He's got 191 sitting ninth. Scott Libisher in 10th, 169. Ryan Pretty, 143 in 11th. Leah Pritchett, 12th. 131, David Chanick, 13th, 129, and Carl Tasca with 122. The way I am I'm like positioning it, let's make that 10th position a position of honor. Like everybody that finishes in the top 10 should be at very least rewarded with great respect. And looking at it, there are five more drivers that are right there that can definitely, with a strong performance, pull themselves up into the top 10. Uh, that is going to be an interesting battle. Whoever the top ten factory stock showdown racers are, they have accomplished something major. 
No, they have. That and we've had 35 different drivers um, run with us this this season, and and that's really incredible. Um, I think that we might see a few more try at uh, at Indy, try to qualify some guys that have been working on their cars and trying to get everything ready. Um, maybe some of the guys that kind of exclusively run over in the NMCA. Um, but we we really want to see y'all turn out, and you know I I know that uh, that um, there's a lot of people that want to keep coming and race with us, and and like you said that that top ten is a big deal. Um, it's it's there's a lot going on this year, and you can see how much the the points have shaken up um, just in in one race. You know, with both Skillmans going out first round and Steven winning and Archie. Uh, making the finals there, it, it's it. They jumped up a lot. Archie jumped into the top ten, and and uh, it's like you said that that number ten spot is going to be something that is still worth watching all season long for. It, it's kind of like the F one. You don't you know don't pick uh, don't just watch what's going on at the front. Watch what's kind of going on in the middle of the pack also, and, and see who's who's really making those moves and and who's going to turn the corner. Absolutely. Well, you know you've the got. Big- the David Barton, Chris Holbrook round one matchup like that alone, like think of, you know, we, we got a, a minute to talk about it, but that alone, like customers, clients, both engine builders, both driving like that alone was epic to watch. So much fun. Uh, and I appreciate it. Brian, excellent work. Next race, Norwalk out there at Summit Motorsports Park, one of the coolest, most fun tracks on the tour, plus ice cream for a buck. I know you'll be in on that. I'll tell you what. For all your great work on Factory Stock Podcast, I will treat you to an ice cream from Norwalk. Well, you're on. I appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. I Thank you very much. That's the nicest thing anyone's done for me in a little while. No, no sweat. No sweat. I'll just walk into the media center, and we'll get it there. Sounds good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's an inside joke for those that know, and I will share it with you once we get, once we get there. Brian. Okay, good. <laughs> excellent work. Thank you so much. And again, to everybody out there, you know, subscribe. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, Factory Stock Podcast is going good, and we need you to share it with your friends. Brian, thank you so much. I'll see you in Norwalk. See you in Norwalk, Joe. Thanks. Brian Massengill from samtech.edu. And that brings us to the conclusion of another exciting edition of Factory Stock Podcast. Now, I want to remind all you guys about the WFO Radio NHRA Nitro podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, etc., wherever you get your podcast. And we have other uh, NHRA stars. Hopefully you only uh, have checked out Factory Stock Podcast and then can go over there and check that one out as well. All right, now I'm going to let you inside baseball a little bit. You know, the audio, like there were a couple of moments where maybe you heard like a little little difference, right? Ignore it. That's not going to happen again. All right, thanks to Brian Massengill. Thanks to Stephen Bell. Thanks to Travis Hilger and everybody behind the scenes who supported Factory Stock Podcast. So many people coming up and saying, like, I listen to the podcast, loving the podcast, do more. Well, you guys can help us. You can help us in that we push this show out right after it's out and a couple of times afterwards, and Brian's doing his best job, but as fans of the class, we need you to, we need you, the class needs you to recruit other listeners. Like, hey, guys, if you like this stuff, then check out this podcast. It's not going to tell you every detail, but it's definitely going to bring you inside the sport. uh, And you're going to hear directly from the people. You're going to get to know Stephen Bell and the personalities and how great is that guy, right? Whether it be Kevin Helms on the last show, giving us all kinds of interesting details to what they're doing with the team. We're going to bring you inside and we're going to continue 
to do it through the season, right through Indy, right through the conclusion out there in Dallas. And hopefully you'll be with us and we'll see you out there at these races and you'll love this category, Factory Stock Showdown. My name is Joe Costello. You can follow me on Twitter at WFO Joe. I'm on Facebook as well uh, with our WFO Radio podcast. There is a Facebook group, Sam Tech Factory Stock Showdown. You should definitely be following all that. And do us a favor. Help us fight against the negativity. This one person in particular was like, oh, it's a Camaro show and that's it. It's boring, just like Pro Stock. Really, that's insanity and based in uh, something other than fact. And I love, wait a second, we are not going to let this happen. Not going to let it happen. People say things that aren't true and it's just not true. Now, if you're a fan of the Dodges, then you got a little bit of a gripe. You're not winning this year. And what I would do is refer to you the second half of last year. Did you win? Yeah. Were you happy? Were you happy, Dodge fans? Yeah, you were. Who was not happy last year? The Ford fans and the Copo fans. They were not happy. So it's all balancing out. They're working very hard. But we're not going to let this happen to this class, where everyone just turns into a negative Nancy. Not going to happen. At least we're not going to let it happen. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you so much. You can always email me, joe at wforadio.com. And I'm eager to hear your feedback and your thoughts about Factory Stock Podcast. And, of course, we encourage you to share it, tweet, retweet, get out there on the social media, or just tell a friend. We appreciate it. Thanks to Brian. Thanks to Stephen. Thanks to Travis. Thanks to everyone who said what's up at the track. We'll see you next time. We'll see you in Norwalk for the next Factory Stock Showdown race, brought to you by Samtech.edu. Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience in the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to the block, head, and CNC programs, Sam now offers motorsport, EFI tuning, and an Associates of Applied Science degree. And Sam is a military-friendly school, approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu today.